the body of Christ. And that's going to lead us into where we're at today. Now that you're in the body of Christ, you need to realize you have an indispensable and irreplaceable function to contribute to the body. You are irreplaceable. You are indispensable. You are the only you in the body of Christ. Did you realize that? You are the only you in the body of Christ. And your portion, your contribution to the building up of the body of Christ cannot be given by anybody else. Sometimes people say, well, I don't want to say it because they just said it. You know, have you ever been like in a Bible study and we're kind of going around and we're like, hey, Val, what'd you enjoy? And you're like, dude, they just told, stole my point. You know, so what's the point of saying it again? We all heard the words. So do we need to hear the words twice? Probably we do need to hear the words twice. But in addition, Val's portion in saying those words, only Val can add that contribution to the body of Christ. We've got to be super impressed. That's what we're going to look at today. I wanted to start with a story um, in Matthew 12. This is coming to our outline here. Let's read this story. Uh, this is from our Bible reading this week, and I thought it was awesome. As we uh, immerse ourselves into the Bible, it's amazing the connections we start making in various portions of the Bible. This is designed by the Spirit to add revelation to his once-for-all spoken word. So let's do it like this. Let's have all the brothers on nine, and then the sisters on ten, and we'll just go back and forth, guys, girls, guys, girls. All right, y'all ready for this? Here we go, brothers. Ready, set, go. And departing from there... Okay, circle the word withered hand, those, those two words in line two, withered hand. This story shows us, kind of, I wanted to uh, frame our talk today with this story in the gospel. Jesus comes into a synagogue. Synagogue is the literal Greek word means a gathering place. That's where the Jews gathered in synagogues. That's where they gather today. Uh, the temple's no more for them, so they're reduced just down to synagogues. Jesus comes into the gathering of God's people and interrupts the meeting. He interrupts the meeting. Behold, Jesus focuses in on one thing. We don't know how many people were there in the meeting. We don't know how good the teaching was. We don't know if there were some great songs being sung. Matthew zeroes us in to Jesus' view of the situation onto one person and one member of that person. His hand is withered. Okay, Jesus disrupts the meeting because he is concerned about the lack of function of one person. And so, what do we value? What do we see in church meetings? Do we just see the building? Oh man, the architecture is beautiful. That's why I'm going to that church. You know, it's, it's amazing. People ask us about our church. We talk about the beauty of the architecture, the building. Or maybe some of us, we go, you know, what's cool about your church? And, and what sticks out to my mind is, man, the preaching is just real powerful. That's what we think of when we, we think of a gathering. And that's all we notice. Some of us may notice, man, the worship band is just great. 
Worship band's great. That's what we notice. How often do we notice the lack of function of people right around us? How often do we notice that? Or do all we care about, man, we had a big meeting. Or do we care about, man, we had a great preaching. Or we had great singing. And all around us are withered hands in the body of Christ. And we just keep going along as if nothing's wrong. If Jesus were to come into our meeting, he may disrupt, he may stop me. And he may focus our attention. We need to recover this one person's function in the body of Christ. We need to see what Jesus sees, and we need to prioritize what he values. Look at this here in verse 12, underline this, of how much more value. What the Lord was seeing here was value, the value of this person's uh, hand. If it got brought back into function, there would be value there. And then underline in 11, kind of right above that, one sheep, one sheep. So he likens it to like if you were a man, if you were a, a shepherd, and you only had one sheep. If you only had one sheep, what would you do if your one sheep was damaged and injured and in trouble? You would risk everything to restore that one sheep. So if we were the only sinner, Jesus would have come and died for us. If we were the only sinner on earth, did you realize that Jesus still would have came and died for you? And also, if we were the only member out of function in the body of Christ, Jesus would take decisive and immediate action, not waiting for another day. He would come to us and restore our function. And for that, they wanted to destroy him. So Jesus was willing to be destroyed to recover the function of one member of his body. Jesus is not okay with a partially functioning body. And this is so awesome to us when we realize, let's read the next verse here under functioning, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Ready, set, go. You are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. So if we are that withered hand, the Lord feels the same way about us today. He wants to recover our function in the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. This is not a metaphor. I want to read you something C.S. Lewis said. He said this in Mere Christianity, page 64 and 65. He says this, When Christians say that Christ is in them, when Christians say Christ is in us, that's true, they do not mean simply something mental or moral. That's not a figure of speech. When they speak of being in Christ or of Christ being in them, this is not simply a way of saying that they are thinking about Christ or copying him. That's not what we're saying. Christ is in us. We're not saying, I'm thinking about Christ or I'm trying to be like Christ. C.S. Lewis says that's not what Christians are saying when they say that. They mean that Christ is actually operating through them. That the whole mass of Christians are the physical organism through which Christ acts. That we are his fingers and muscles, the cells of his body. We are the body of Christ. We are the, the physical organisms that Christ is acting and operating through today on earth. This has got to impress us because what this means is that as the body of Christ, we are his manifestation and move on earth. If people want to see Christ today, you know where they got to look? At us. Not all of us in the room, but the whole mass of Christians on earth. They've got to look at the body of Christ, and they'll see Christ. And if Christ wants to move, how will Christ move today? 
Do we want Christ to move at UT? Do we want Christ to move in our city? Do we want Christ to move in our roommate situation? Guess what his only option is? His body. His only option is us. So that means the body, as the body of Christ, we can either be his manifestation or his limitation. We can either be his manifestation for his move, his living activity, his expression, or we can be his limitation. That's what it means. That's what it means to be the body of Christ. That's how serious it is. And that's why Christ is so serious about a fully functioning body. Because if his body is not responsive, if, if his body is not cooperative, then he cannot move. He cannot move. I know this probably sounds radical to some of you guys, but I want to give an example of this um, in, the, in, the, in our physical body. Uh, people who go into comas um, and don't ever come out of them, do you all know what they call them? We call them vegetables. Yeah, call them vegetables. Um, which means um, if you're a vegetable, you are fully there. There's brain activity, but there's zero activity in the body. Zero activity in the body. And when I, tell you, I want to tell you all a story about this guy named Jean-Dominique Babi. How's that for a name? Jean-Dominique Babi. He was a French guy. And in 1995, at the age of 43, Jean Bobby, Jean Dominique Bobby was a famous French actor, producer, journalist, writer. And at the age of 43 in 1995, he had a massive stroke and woke up 20 days later out of a coma, completely paralyzed. Couldn't speak, couldn't move his hand, couldn't move his legs. The only thing he could do was blink his left eyelid. That's the only thing he could do. He was fully there mentally. Jean-Dominique Bobby was there. But his body was limiting him. The only thing he could do was blink his left eyelid. And they eventually realized that he was there. And um, Jean-Dominique Bobby had a li- an interior life that is um, just marvelous. And he ended up writing a memoir from the hospital by blinking his left eye. What happened was they developed a system where they, uh, he was French, they, they aligned the French alphabet in order of most frequently used letters, and somebody sat by his bed, I'm going to use English because I don't know French, somebody sat by his bed and said A, B, C, D. All right, put down a D. A, B, C, D, E. All right, put down an E. He blinked out his memoir. Took him 200,000 blinks. Average word took him two minutes to blink out. His body became his limitation. And he had a lot he wanted to say. He had a lot he wanted to do. He, was, he says in his memoir he was dreaming of documentaries he still wanted to do, places he wanted to travel, things he wanted to say to the world. But he couldn't. He couldn't. Why? Because there was a problem with the person within the body? No. There was a problem with the body. And so he wrote his memoirs, and it's called this, The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. A diving bell is how people used to scuba dive. It's um, A lot of us, I did this as a kid growing up. You take a bucket, and you literally take it flat underwater like that, and it puts an air bubble in there, and you can, like, breathe underwater. It's kind of cool for kids, you know? You're like, yeah, guys, I guess. 
And um, there was not an app for that back then, so I actually did that, IRL. Yeah, I really did that. And so his illustration is the diving bell and the butterfly. He says in his biography, he felt like there was a diving bell put over him that trapped him. He couldn't move. And yet he was a butterfly within just fluttering around the world. And I want to read you the first from the first page of this. It's powerful. This is the first page. He says this. Through the frayed curtain at my window, a faint glow announces the break of day. My heels hurt. My head weighs a ton. And something like a giant invisible diving bell holds my whole body prisoner. And they call this locked-in syndrome. And he says it's appropriately, appropriately named locked-in syndrome because paralyzed from head to toe, the patient, his mind intact, is imprisoned inside his own body, unable to speak or move. In my case, blinking my left eye is my only means of communication. So with Jean-Dominique Babet, his body became his limitation. We are the body of Christ. What kind of body are we to Christ? Are we his manifestation in our lives? Does he move through us? We're his, remember C.S. Lewis, we're his fingertips, the cells of his body, his limbs. Are we, is Christ moving through us, through our functioning, or is he been imprisoned within his own body? That's what we're looking at today, guys. So the good news is like Matthew 12 shows us that Christ is fully aware of every member that's out of function, and he is going to take decisive action to heal us, to recover us, and to restore us to our function in the body of Christ. Okay, let's look at Romans 12, 4, and 6. So let's read this on your page. Ready, set, go. <clears throat> Okay, so I want you to circle three words here. Circle function on line two. Circle gifts right after that. And circle grace. We're going to talk about the relationship of these three words. Okay, of course the whole verse is saying that our gifts and our functions are different. And we're going to talk about that in one second. But I want to talk about gifts first. A lot of people, Christians, talk about gifts. Has anybody ever asked you, what's your gift? Has anybody ever asked you that? Somebody asked me that when I was in junior high. A girl in my class, she was a real strong Christian, and she asked me, we were on a group project, and she, I couldn't believe it. She's like, Kyle, what's your gift? And I was like, what's my gift? I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm in junior high. What's my gift? And so probably a lot of us struggle with this. What's my gift? What's my gift? Just how do you know what your gift is, Right? And so people usually fall back on by saying, well, it's whatever you're talented at. That's your gift. And I want to I address this real quick because, yes, that's true in part, but it's not just our natural talents and abilities that are gifts to the body of Christ. Look at the verse again. Six, verse six. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. You know what produces your gift? When the grace of God penetrates your natural ability according to God's creation, that's when your gift comes out. It's who you are, plus your learning, plus the enjoyment of grace. So this puts us back to message one and two. We need to enjoy the Lord. Grace is God given to us for our enjoyment. And out of that enjoyment of grace, 
God being things to us. Remember the 20 items of Christ Chris showed us. Christ being our power. Christ being our wisdom. Christ being our righteousness. That enjoyment of Christ in us, which is called grace, produces a gift. Y'all see that? So where does your gift come from? It's manifested as you enjoy Christ. Your gift begins to come out. Of course, you need some practical training. We'll look at that at the end. And out of that gift, you know what happens? The gift needs to function. So having the gift is not good enough. It needs to operate. It needs to function. It needs to contribute. Okay, so for instance, guys, I want to show you all that gift comes from grace, from enjoying Christ's life like Trevor was talking about. And um, most of y'all probably know that my wife is pregnant, so we're uh, just past 22 weeks pregnant. And uh, thank you for that. And um, we signed up for this cool email thing. They send us emails every Friday that try and, like, help us understand, like, what's happening inside my wife's womb. And so they, they always equate they always equate the size of the baby with a piece of fruit or a vegetable. So it's kind of cool. So, like, every week we're like, you're having a blueberry. And we're like, whoa, it's a blueberry. And, like, we went out and got, like, blueberry smoothies. And then we're like, okay, that's kind of sorted. But anyways. Um, and then it's like, uh, you know, your baby is a, I can't remember. This was probably first, but it was like, your baby's a poppy seed. Your baby's a lentil. Your baby's a, and so I'm kind of, like, keeping track of, like, the development of the life. It's kind of cool. You know, and so you can kind of conceptualize, like, wow, a blueberry is, like, really small. Okay, well, at 10 weeks, at 10 weeks, you know what we were having? A kumquat. A kumquat. That's pretty exotic for most of you guys. So uh, week nine was a grape. So just think of a grape. And I, I wanted to grab a grape this morning, but I forgot. So I grabbed a, uh, <laughs> a creamer. This is essentially, so it, it tells you the link is one inch. So this is essentially a kumquat or a large grape. This was the size of my son at 10 weeks in the womb. Right there. Can you believe that? That's tiny. And you know how much it weighed? A quarter of an ounce. I don't know. This may weigh more. I'm not sure. What does it say? It doesn't say. Okay, but think about this. And then in the email, it tells you, like, what's happening. Like, this is developing. This is developing. Okay, so get this, guys. My point is that 10 weeks, our little baby kumquat Barton has a fully beating heart, a brain that's operating, lungs that are working, kidneys that are working, and a liver and intestines that are all functioning. They're functioning in this little guy. They're not just there, like, drawn in, penciled in, you know. Or like, you know, it's like you're building a car, but it's not driving, and all the parts are in place. No, those things are functioning at 10 weeks. How? How is it functioning? Life. Life produces function. You should write that down. Life produces function. So if you want to function in the body of Christ, you know what you need to do? You need to give yourself to enjoy Christ as life, and your function will start to manifest. Okay, I love that. Okay, let's go on to the two erroneous concepts here. So there's two problems we may have, though, about our, our, about our function. We may see, man, life produces function, so I'm enjoying Christ. I've kind of got a certain kind of function, and I'm looking around the room, and I start comparing myself with others. And I'm like, man, Ashley can do that. Why can't I do that? Will can do that. Man, am I ever going to be able to do it like Will does it? And so let's look at uh, 
Uh, problem one is here, 1 Corinthians 12, 15. Let's read this together. Ready, set, go. Okay, so underline, because I am not a hand, that's the erroneous concept. And I'm going to give you all the solution in each one. See, I've already got it marked out, the solution. But first off, let's address the erroneous concept that a lot of times we fall into. Uh, we fall into envy. Envy. We envy other people's function. And because we're not them, we fall into something even probably more problematic, which is uselessness feeling. We feel useless in the body. We feel, man, body probably doesn't need me. Body could probably go on without me. Probably doesn't matter if I'm in the meeting. Probably doesn't matter if I pray. Probably, but probably doesn't matter if I say something at the Bible study because, man, Chris was there. <laughs> Who can say anything after Chris says something, right? Or, you know, Trevor Walker was there, and what's the point, man? Let's just let him talk the whole time because he's so good. And so we start feeling useless in the body. So it's a problem because what we start doing is we stop functioning because we're looking at the function of another member. Now that's ridiculous. Do you want your foot to stop functioning because you have hands? You're like, well, let's put two, two hands down there too. We'd be back to monkeys. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. So uh, the problem is we envy the other members because we see what they can do and we take all our eyes off our unique contribution to the body. Okay? So this is, uh, this is problem number one. Theodore Roosevelt said this quote. This is pretty cool. Comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. So you know what happens when you start comparing yourself? You're looking at T-Walk. You're looking at C-Hall. Joy is leaving the building. <laughs> With Elvis, you know. And so your joy, you're like, where's the joy in my Christian life? It's because you're trying to be something you are not and will never be. So let's look at the solution. How do we get out of this? Let's look at the solution. Let's read it together. Ready, set, go. Place the members, each one of them. Okay, so underline... God has placed the members. That's the solution. We need to realize something about ourselves, that God made a sovereign decision concerning what we would be in the body. God specifically chose that for us. He chose that role for us. So let's, let's make this more practical. God made a sovereign decision regarding your status right now in life. What, what's your status? A student? Maybe you couldn't get into college. Maybe you're working. Maybe you're thinking, man, if I could just get into that college, things would be different. So God made a choice regarding your status. God made a choice concerning your present situation. He made a sovereign decision concerning your capacity, how much you can handle. You know, some people, they got to tap out after being with people for 20 minutes. And some people, they thrive on that. And so we may be thinking, man, if I could just be like Carrie, you know, <laughs> Carrie thrives on that. And we're like, man, I'm never going to be like Carrie. And I got to feel like I got to go home after 20 minutes. So we feel useless, right? God made a sovereign decision for you to be that member in the body of Christ. God made a sovereign decision about your intellectual ability. Sometimes we think, man, if I could just think like that person, if I could just logically put the verses together like that person, 
God made a choice regarding your relationship to others, the people you're around. So if we see this, if we see that we, if we see that I am the only I in the body, we will be happy to be I. You'll be happy to be you. Because you'll see only you're you. And we need you to be you. Taylor, we need Taylor to be Taylor. We don't want Taylor to be Kelly. We want Kelly to be Kelly. But a lot of times we're like, man, I want to be that brother. I want to be that sister. Okay, so that's problem and solution number one. We need to recognize, Lord, you placed me here. And we need to say amen to God's placement. Amen, Lord Jesus. Let's say that. Ready, set, go. If we say, amen, Lord Jesus, that will be a great release to us. And we will have a deep contentment just to be us in the body. All right, let's look at problem number two. 1 Corinthians 12, 21. Let's read this. Ready, set, go. Okay, so problem number two, underline, I have no need of you. So this is the other side of the problem, which is pride, pride, self-sufficiency. We feel like we can make it without anybody else, right? So let's see the solution here. Let's read this all together. Ready, set, go. But much rather the members of the body. Okay, so underline God has blended the body together. This is the solution. Blending. First solution is realize you've been placed. Second solution is realize I need to be blended with the other members. I need them. They've got something I don't have. And so one little example about this is, um, man, I was, really, I was really trying to rack my brains for illustrations about the body. This one's cool. Okay, taste buds. Everyone like taste buds? Okay, you know what your taste buds are? Tiny little, yeah, they're tiny little bumps on your tongue. You know, you ever look at your tongue in the mirror, uh, and you see those tiny little, tiny, tiny little bumps. Those actually aren't your taste buds. Those are called um, fungiform papillae. I guess it's a French word, fungiform papillae. <laughs> and those are the little bumps on your tongue. And in the fungiform papillae are the taste buds. So the taste buds are actually invisible to the body. You cannot see these members. And listen to this. So the number of small bumps on your tongue <laughs> range from 200 to 400. So everyone's got about 400 bumps on their tongue. And in the bumps, each bump contains three to five taste buds. Three to five taste buds per bump. Pretty good, right? And each taste bud contains 10 to 50 sensory cells. Sensory cells, and those are the cells that actually recognize the five tastes, right? Five tastes, I don't remember what they all are, bitter, sweet, salty, something, and umami. Japanese gave us that one. So your, your little taste buds in that are recognizing that all the time. Everything you put in your mouth, your taste buds come alive. And then there's ten levels of intensity to all these things. So how hot it is, how crunchy it is. So there's, you know, all these abilities in the taste buds and listen to this, that combination, five different basic tastes, ten levels of intensities, that many taste buds, and that many bumps on your tongue, produces 100,000 flavor possibilities. 100,000 flavor possibilities. 
100,000 flavor possibilities are unlocked in the experience of the body of Christ based on the coordination of lots of small, invisible members in the body. Those small members that no one, you've never seen your taste buds, you've only seen the bump, and you probably haven't seen those. And embedded in that situation is a small, we could say a vital group of members working together, offering something to the body of Christ that makes life so exquisite. Food, it makes it possible. These little members coordinating together. Isn't that awesome? Doesn't that make you like say, praise the Lord, is it dinner time yet? <laughs> it's almost there. It's almost there. Okay, so let me give you another illustration. So you may be the taste buds in the body. You may be part of the taste buds vital group. And you're thinking, man, no one's sticking, you know, some people are sticking their tongue out in the mirror. But, you know, no one's like flexing, you know, us in the mirror and taking selfies. And so you're like, we're invisible. No one notices us. No, we do notice you. Every time we taste something, we should say, Lord, thank you for my taste buds. Anyways, so these small little invisible members have a, a unbelievable contribution to the body. Okay, I want to give you another one here. Okay, so the point is, guys, small members, this is what small members can do in the body. They add vital functions and add unique beauty to the body. Vital function and unique beauty. Think about your eyebrows. You want to go without your eyebrows? We even got a new cultural term based on this tiny little member. Eyebrows on fleek. That means we care what happens up here. These tiny little members. And I got my half German, so I got to, you know, get bushy sometimes. Okay, listen to this. How about this? How about your eyelids? We all, you know, in the Bible it says the eye is getting all proud here. What about the eyelid? Do you think the eye would say to the eyelid, I have no need of you? <laughs> Imagine life with, with, with us without eyelids, just these big kind of like horror movie eyes looking at you, you know? So there's unique beauty added to the body based on this member we never think about. We never go to the gym and, you know, pump these guys up. I mean, I know girls make them look good because they add the eyeshadow, right? Mascara? I can never remember which one's which. Both, yeah. Okay, see, you care about that member. So we care about the small members among us. They add, uni they add vital function and unique beauty. Okay, one more illustration. Think about your smile. You know, one of the most attractive things about people is their smiles. It's just, it's unique, it's beautiful, it's, it's awesome. Okay, the smile um, is the result of numerous facial muscles coordinating to make that facial expression. So the smile, one of the most beautiful and attractive things about the body is the coordination of many invisible and unnoticed members. Think about that. You may be the smile of the body of Christ. In fact, you just go, go there, you don't say anything, you just, and people feel so great that you're there. I'm serious. Sometimes when you preach the gospel, you know, you go with somebody, and one, you know, Neil's just like spitting out verses and conquering arguments, and, and you're, just, you're just there smiling. You're just, and you know what the guy notices? The smile. The guy's like, man, this guy's really warming me up. Okay. The New York Times did a study on, I'm almost done. The New York Times did a study on what would happen 
if the face, all the other facial, facial muscles didn't coordinate together and move in harmony with the lips when you smiled. You know when you smile? Your whole uh, cheek structure and even at your temples, it's all moving together. So the New York Times did this. Oh man, this was hilarious. <clears throat> they, took, they took pictures of people smiling and then your resting face, you know, just your, your plain resting face. They superimposed just this part of the smile onto the resting face. <laughs> and you may think it probably looks about the same, right? You would think it probably looks about the same. Okay, y'all should go look for this. I wish I had like a big projector and showed y'all. Every single person looked like a donkey. I'm serious. It was like this odd, like kind of dead, lifeless, and then just like this, oh, I mean, it was inhuman. It was inhuman, and the smile was there, but it was like, ugh. It was like, that's, uh, no, that's not okay. They looked like donkeys. They looked like donkeys. I kid you not. So again, it's showing you, you may feel, Lord, I'm a small member. Eh, people don't need me. We've got eyes. We've got arms. We've got hands. We've got feet. The body of Christ needs us, okay? So I want you to write down this line. You are never less than a member, and you are never more than a member in the body. You're never less than a member, and you're never more than a member in the body of Christ. Isn't that so encouraging? The Lord wants to heal every single one of our functions so that his body can be built up. All right, we're just going to fly through the rest of this. Once you all get done writing, you're never, more than a, you're never less than a member, and you're never more than a member in the body. That should encourage us, and that should humble us to realize we need, we need to be blended together, receive from one another, one another. Okay, four main areas of our function. Let's just read these. Let's have the girls on one, the guys on two, so on and so forth. Sisters, ready, set, go. Gospel, for though you have... Brothers, two. Number three, perfecting. Four, brothers, prophesying. So we're not going to talk about this today, but these are four main areas we need to learn how to function in. Sharing the gospel feeding people around us in our small groups and, and others we know, being perfected and perfecting others to be able to do what we do, and prophesying. And we'll be talking about that in the weeks to come if you're coming to church with us. We'll be talking about prophesying, but I just want to throw it out there. That's a major function, and it says you can all do this. You can all do this. All right, then lastly, let's just go through building real quick. Let's read Ephesians 4.16. All together, ready, set, go. Okay, so circle operation in line two, operation. Circle causes, and then in the last line, circle building up. Operation causes building up. That means when we function, when we contribute in the body of Christ, what we can only contribute, the body of Christ get built up. And let's read 1 Corinthians 14, we'll end there. Ready, set, go. So there you go. Your function 
builds up the church. Amen? Wasn't that encouraging, guys? We all have a unique portion and function in the body of Christ. We need it. Don't despise it. Don't despise others. Okay, so let's do this. Let's just uh, take a minute with your neighbor. Let's just pray over anything that the Lord touched you or spoke to you about in this message. Find a partner, one or two or three around you. Let's pray for a minute.